Hi, welcome to the Drama Free Living Podcast, Lisa. Here we are again, and it's been really fun, right? We've been kind of going through this whole idea of mastering your emotions, and we're kind of in our fourth part of this series. And, and what's been some of like your big sort of ahas, or I, I found it fascinating personally. I, I have loved this because we've talked about different, um, just the whole idea of drama being a gift. And now that's controversial right there, just right. that in and itself. In drama is drama is actually a gift because we know that there's something going on and it tells us that, hey, we have an action that we can do right now. Well, and, and we've really talked about like, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And, and there's this whole idea of this Jewish proverb that says, when you have no rule over your spirit, it's like you're a city broken down without walls. And how many people are kind of broken down because they can't rule their own emotions? They allow people to steal their joy, their peace. And this is really about how do you master this piece of your life? Yes. When we harness it, when we harness our emotions, then we really have control over them and and we can, I can make a mine. It doesn't control me, but I control it and it's mine. Yeah. And then kind of mastering that story that you tell yourself. And when you master the story, you master the emotion. And the quick, the quickest way to change your emotion is just change your story Mm -hmm. and you're in charge of your story. Mm-hmm. And so now we want to kind of dive into like, okay, so we've got it. We've mastered our own story, but now we've got to communicate externally. We got to go out into the world, out to our teams, out to the our relationships, and we got to communicate it externally. And I think that's where people kind of get a little mixed up. Absolutely. And to if you haven't been listening over the last uh, three, I think it's three episodes, go back and listen and catch up to where we're at. It's it's really fascinating and it's and it's helpful. It's helpful when we are in situations that are highly charged or full of drama and emotionally all over the place. And we've we've had emotionally all over the place last several years between everything that's happened across the world and even within our own country and then the all of that tension just kind of comes home. Well, and when you think about it, when people care they get emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I want you to be emotionally charged because I want you to care. Now, how you express it to me, that's a different story. Yes, because we are felt before we're ever heard. Okay, now this is amazing, right? So people feel you before they hear you. I mean, we've all been in situations where we meet someone and they're dressed the right way, they look the right way, they say the right things, but just something on the inside, go, you go, hmm. I don't know, something, something. I I just, there's something not right. Right. There's, there's, we communicate externally. We communicate with words, but we also communicate with our body. There's physiological changes that we go through as we are feeling different ranges of emotions. And when it comes down to it, we need, we have to be aware of these things because it's important to me. It's important to our company, it's important to you, it's important to your family, to your companies, to your environments, to know how you want to come across and and how do you want to be understood. And Lisa, it goes back to what we talked about in the last podcast podcast episode about quit far. And you just kind of reverse it and people act because they feel and think. And their actions many times will tell you a story. And if you can get really good at noticing the actions, right? Noticing some of the behavioral cues, you're going to know what's going on on the inside of inside of people. And what's fascinating is when there's a discrepancy, 
right? There's an overt way, the words you say, right? But there's a covert, right? There's a behavior behind it. And when there's this discrepancy, guess which one wins? Covert all day long. Yeah. So because we have because we have nonverbal cues, um, and there are they are outward signs of another's internal emotional state. And I think people that are really good at reading rooms, they've just got become very sensory aware of how people like use their eyes or use their body language, right? For example, people roll their eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Great job, Lisa. Well, great. And I'm rolling my eyes as I say that. I don't, I said great job, but every other cue gave me sarcasm and it gave you a discrepancy, right? So when I say, oh, great job, Lisa, you know, I'm not saying great job. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm being sarcastic. Right. You know, I mean exactly the opposite. Yeah. And it's fascinating. So one of our favorite TV shows, I don't even know how many years ago it was. Yeah, it was, some, it, was it, it was a show called Lie to Me. And it was this character, his name was Lightman. And Lightman, it was it was just a fun show. Lightman would work for different like the FBI. FBI or be contracted for different companies or organizations. And he would go in and he would have conversations with people. And he could find out the real truth. Exactly. And he was more, he was probably more of an empath. He was exceptionally skilled as if you were um, an FBI profiler almost that was so highly trained to be able to notice even minor discrepancies between words and actions, behaviors. And, but that, that show was fun because he would go through and what would be completely missed by the average person, he would go through and he would be talking to a lady that was in a hospital, that there was some crime against her. And, or there was one episode where the, the, the gentleman was paralyzed and it was only by Lightman observing his eyes. That was a great episode. And, and watching where, what his eyes were doing, he could tell what was going on. And that that's a very extreme um, case of being able to read nonverbal cues, but it's real. Dennis, you were talking about, what was the thing about the heartbeat? Yeah. It's like a Harvard university did a study where it said that your heartbeat vibrations out eight feet in front of you. And so it's this whole idea that people kind of feel you before they ever hear you. And when people feel like you really care, right, then they're going to kind of buy into you. And many times it's like, you know, John Maxwell said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Was John Maxwell the one that said I, well, that? He, that's where I read it. I think he's, I, I think always he said wondered it. who said that. First. Well, okay. Lisa, Zoom is a great example, right? Especially yes. as we've kind of gone through the great shutdown, part of the challenge with Zoom is that you can, you can co- communicate content, but it's really hard to communicate context. Because that context is all the physical signs. And, and we have even seen it like in some of our trainings, right? Is So just last year, we went through a season where we're working with a healthcare company. And they had us do a series of Zoom. We we're supposed to do it in person, but there was a COVID outbreak. And they said, can we switch it to Zoom? So we did this week of training by Zoom. And one of the, and then we came back six months later and we we're going to do the second set of series and we did it in person. And it was fascinating, Lisa, because 
one of the ladies that were there at the at the end, she said, Dennis, when we first started, I, I saw you by Zoom. I didn't care for it. And I thought this whole week was going to be a waste of time. I heard it this in May and I was in the Zoom in May and now it's November. And I'm like, oh, we got to go to this meeting. This guy was horrible by Zoom. Or when she did, I don't know if she said I was horrible by Zoom, but she had this impression because she didn't get everything just by Zoom. And she said in November, she said, this was so impactful. This was so helpful. She said, there is such a difference being in person then Zoom, and Lisa, the reality is, is I communicated similar content, right? I used this, I used different tools, but the same type of tools, but there was a context that was sort of created and it sort of made all of the difference. And what we want to kind of like think through is that there's this context and content mm-hmm. and watching the physical behavioral signs, it makes all the difference in communicating. Yeah, that's fascinating. And but and also part of that was she was able to read your body language, how you were, it, yeah. how better your facial expressions, even, even your body movement, but also you being in person, you were able to observe the crowd. You were able to read the crowd. You were able to read the people and know, are they understanding what I'm saying? Do they, do they catch on? Do I need to spend a little bit more time in this? And that's, that's the power of communication. That's the power of the nonverbal cues and even um, your emotional state that you are in. Yeah. Cause people read that emotional state, right? It, it's like, um, oh, for, for example, you know, M- Melissa, our daughter came in one day and, you know, she said, well, dad, why are you angry? And I'm like, well, I'm not angry. She said, well, you have angry eyes. Right. And I didn't even say anything. I mean, I was using no language at all, but she could read my eyes and she saw it by my eyes. Or, you know, I, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were driving in the car where we're driving. And you said, Dennis, why are you so angry? And I was like, I'm not angry. And you said, well, you're shaking. Right. Because I really was I think you were you weren't angry but you were frustrated internally. Yeah, you, and you frustrated could just, with yourself and I could completely feel that. Right, because you saw me shaking and I finally confessed, yeah, I was frustrated. Mhm. And, and part of part of this power and we went back through this like in the in the first part of the series on mastering emotions. This is why naming it. You know, you want to name it so you don't display it. Mm-hmm. And when you name it, you get power over it. And so really getting good at naming it. But when you look out at people, they're going to display their emotions. And so get really, really good at that. And then as you kind of walk through this, we want to look at like, hey, what's your motive? Right. Because people will also be able to sense your motives. Yeah. And it's the difference. We've talked about this before between transactional leadership or transformational leadership. Mm-hmm. Are we transactional or are we transformational in our relationships? Now we have all been in that situation where we are at a job or we are with an organization, maybe a volunteer group, and you just feel like you are there and you're just a warm body, you're being used. It's I need your time and it's not a transformational opportunity. It's very transactional. There's no connection. And you just, it wouldn't matter if you were Bob from down the street. It's you're a warm body to get the job done. And it's also this idea, like if you focus on the heart, you're going to get people's hands. But if you just focus on the hands, this is what you can do for me. This is what I need. And you don't grab the heart. 
this is where people sort of disengage a little bit, right? It's like they, it's like the school teacher said, Johnny, stand up. And Johnny stood up and stomped his feet. And he says, teacher, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. Mm -hmm. And how many people do that, right? It's like, hey, they're doing it, but they're not doing it with their heart. And these are the things that, you know, we have to win. It's, we talk about a lot of times with leaders, like, hey, how do we, how do we bond people to us? Because if you're bonded to me, then I can ask you to do some hard things and you'll do hard things. I know I'll do hard things for people if I feel like they really care for me. Mm-hmm. And one one of the tools that we've talked about before is this whole GPS framework. And this is so powerful just to be able to understand people better, to bond with people better and, and get in the trenches with them. Yeah. And, and motivation really is great. Because motivation really works because when we can tie somebody's motive to our motives together where they intersect. And then we, and then it's a synergistic, a synergistic effect. Yeah. But, but people are motivated by different things. And Lisa, I can't tell you what motivates you. Only you know what motivates your you. And so GPS is a framework. And we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes for people. You can download that uh, that thinking tool that we've created. But everybody has goals, right? Objectives. And they could be as simple as like, I want to get married, or I want to buy a house, or I want to move or go to school, right? All these different goals. And then people have passions, things they care a lot about, right? If you help my kids, right, you know that you're going to be bonded to us forever, We've had people help our kids. We, we write in our book about this story about Bradley and you know how we helped our older son. And then people have struggles, right? People have constraints. And we're not telling you to be everybody's life coach, but kind of discover what those things are and just be an assist. You know, like we were out to dinner last night and we just were talking with a lady who's starting a business. And we just asked four or five questions, gave her a couple ideas. And she came up to us after the dinner and gave us a hug. Yeah, I, it, it was, was the first time we ever met her. It was it was really sweet because we were able to we we had a great time. That was a wonderful conversation. She had a great time. It was it was fantastic. And, and we were able to work on we were able to pair our skill sets together, hers, Dennis, yours, mine, and just kind of be creative on some some things that would help her and help her business. And so, you know, people feel that. And so you Look out and be more of a transformational leader. Worry, focus on who you can help people become, not necessarily transactional with what they do. Yeah. And so along along those lines, everyone has their own unique skill set, their yep. own unique ideas, desires, passions, and we have our own unique personality. So with this, we have um we have voice and we have tone and and voice and tone are very, they're very different things. Okay, so explain to me what you mean, because I'm I'm not quite sure I, I know what you're talking about. So if you are uh, writing and you do a lot of writing, whether it's journalistic or these different things, these tone and voice are very important also in branding. But voice, voice really is, it's our style and it really communicates our personality um, and how our personalities are different. So Dennis is much more of a directive person. He's very fast paced. He's a quick start. I am more uh, research driven. I'm, I tend to go slower. I'm more methodical. That is innate who we are, but that doesn't mean that when I, I can just show up this way, slow, methodical research 
in a room full of quick quick starts and directive people because what i have to say and the what i have to give won't be won't be won't be accepted well and even like i think our team has realized this because lisa when i communicate anything it's always going to be intense and people can mis- misread that if we're not careful because it feels like everything needs to be done now and i don't mean it that way but I have to be very careful with how I communicate because it can be definitely received that way. And then people don't know priorities. Right. And what's fascinating is, is when you are working toward a goal or toward a task, yeah. you're intense. Yeah. But then when you are relaxing, yep. you are very laid back. And so really, rather than saying you're always intense, you are always all or nothing. Well, is it is it is it work dentist or is it vacation dentist? Right. Right. Is it is it, you know, focus day dentist or is it free day dentist? And those are two different dentists. They absolutely are. They absolutely are. And so this personality, this style, this who we are, it reminds me of we have a friend named Paul. He was part of our wedding and he was he's Scotland. from Scotland. Scotland. And we would good friends. And we would just carry on conversations and he had his accent, but we could completely understand him. Yeah. Um, But when he was visiting us one time, he was on the phone talking to, I don't know, one of his his brothers or something. Yeah. And I don't think he was speaking English. I'm convinced he was not speaking English. No, he actually was speaking English, but it was I needed to translate such it. a dialect that we literally it, like, it sounded like a different language. But that was that was him who he truly was. And what he was to us, he modulated it because otherwise we wouldn't be able to understand him. And that's what that's kind of what tone does for us. So we have our voice and it's really, it communicates our personality and our style, but tone, it communicates our mood and our attitude about another subject matter. matter. And so we can modulate our tone to be able to communicate our attitudes and things with other people. So these, these elements of style, they allow you to manage how, uh, how another person hears you and to, they allow you to understand and another person to understand what you're trying to communicate. Well, and it's this whole idea that you want to lead people according to how they like to be led, mm-hmm. which means looking out and looking at their style and being able to modulate your style to meet this other person's need and help them understand. But when we're just so focused on what we need and we don't look out, we're sort of oblivious. We're kind of blind, you know, to them. Yeah. And and they feel that. Right. And that goes back to transactional or transformational. It's what is, what is that motive? And do we, do we want to do this together and be in this together and have other people understand us? Or do we just want to plow over them and make other people feel used? And what's interesting is this this tone and this voice and even tempo impact others' emotional states, whether they're part of your team or whether they're your clients or whether they're your family members. Yeah. So Lisa, tells you were telling me about how branding works and you know how a lot of the branding companies like there's this consistency. Yes. Okay. So we all know that consistency builds trust. Yep. Um. What was that? Oh, there was a one of our clients. Yeah, there was we, a, we won't name any names, right? But there was a senior leader 
And what was fascinating, we really helped him learn how to be more consistent because what would happen is, is that he would walk into the office or, you know, hear things and maybe a certain situation happened and he would just blow up. He would just lose his temper and just freak out and everybody in the office would know and everybody's kind of scared. Oh my gosh. And they were on eggshells. They were on eggshells, right? To be yeah. around him. Okay. And then the next day, something very similar, same similar type mistake. And he walked in and found out about it. And he said, oh, that's, that's not a problem. We can fix that. Right. I was like, whoa, what? Yesterday he blew up. Today he was calm. And then later on that week, something similar kind of happened. And, and I got to tell you that that team was like, I don't know who's going to show up. Is it Dr. Jekyll? Is it Mr. Hyde? And it's this whole idea of be consistent. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Lisa, for example, like one of, one of my real core like passions is, you know, we want to be the easiest speaker, trainer, organization to work with, right? That is just a passion. And when I find out that maybe sometimes we're not always the easiest to work with or something happens. We have we miscommunication within yeah. our team or we, miscommunication yeah. with a people, client. People make this say, my team knows that is always going to frustrate me. I'm always going to be a little edgy when that happens. Right. And there are because other, it goes against the core of who you are. Yeah. And, and at least, and you just want to be consistent. That produces consistency in the team. Or for example, when certain things are communicated a certain way, right? Team members know they go, oh, Dennis is going to be upset about this. Yes. Here, right. They they don't even, you know, they just know. And in a, in that, in a way, it really builds trust because people can trust, like, hey, this is who he is. I know who he is. And, and it's almost this idea, Lisa, that you trust people according to the degree that they know themselves. Hmm. And I think that really helps. We, you know, a particular situation where we I just had a team member just sort of tell me the truth. They said, Hey, Dennis, I'm not really good at that. And and I didn't think less of them. I actually thought more of them. I thought, wow. She really knows herself and I can put a lot of trust in that. So it's like, Hey, tell me what you're not good at too. And so really knowing yourself and communicating yourself to people and sort of being known, right. Creating that, you know, openness, that transparency, because when you let people know you on the inside, it's, it's easier to trust them. They know what they're going to get. Yeah, they I, know this is who I am. This is, this is when you are in relationship with me, this is what you're going to get. And that is, well, and that's why we spent so much time on previous podcasts talking about recognizing your emotions, looking at the emotions wheel, understanding how that affects you internally, understanding that when you've got these different emotions, they, you've got to deal with them. You've got to do something with them. And so with this client of ours that just one day would blow up and next day would pass something off as nothing. And this was roller coaster ride. And that's the importance of, of consistency and, and knowing your emotions and recognizing and, and making them your own. And so, so for example, when you talk to a branding company, Mm -hmm. they are going to be very quick to tell you that in inconsistencies or carelessness in your tone and your temple and tempo and your voice will break trust and it will offend your clients and it will hurt your brand. That's if you are not consistent in your branding and if you are all over the place, whether it's your tempo or your tone or your voice, you are going to lose 
lose those clients that you're going after. And that's also how it is in life and in your communication is your inconsistencies and your carelessness that will hurt your company. That'll hurt your relationships because consistency builds trust. And in order for us to be consistent, we need to be able to be aware of our emotions, what's going on and what triggers us and what causes us to react the way we are. Yeah. And you know, what was interesting about this particular person, Lisa, he was so, he was so unaware. He had no idea that that he was first of all, showing up that way. And then secondly, that it was producing that much fear and insecurity in, in the team. Well, and what was even more fascinating is when he blew up, he didn't even know he blew up. Like 10 minutes later, he had kind of forgotten about it. And when I brought it back to his attention, he's like, I did what? I, I didn't do that. I'm like, I just saw this. This is this is how you show up. And it really goes back to it's like really getting this self-awareness because Lisa, we are a walking experience. People experience every day. And experience is what shapes belief. So what people believe about you typically is because what they've experienced about you. Hmm. And we want to get people to like, if we want people to believe in us, and that's really what leadership is, we got to look back at our experiences, right? Lisa, I, I could tell you, I love you, I love you, I love you, but those are my words, but, but if you have angry eyes, <laughs> right. Or, or I never do what you want to do where it's all about me, right. Then you have, it shapes a certain belief in it. And what really matters is that experience. And so we want you to think about as leaders, like we are a walking experience. People experience us every day. They absolutely do. And what's interesting with that is experiences are results of conversations, hmm. whether they're extemporaneous conversations or intentional conversation. Every conversation is an experience. Every conversation is an experience. And we all know the story of someone is sitting at their cubicle and the boss walks by and says, I need to see you in my office. And the boss is grumpy and frowny. And it puts fear in everyone because they're thinking, okay, I'm next to go. And it's almost like this idea that, you know, people need safe places, right? People's brains operate best in safe places. And when you feel unsafe, you're going to close up. You're not going to be collaborative. You're going to be guarded. You're going to be reserved. You're you're really not going to give the best of like your heart, your ideas, your strategies, right? You're going to kind of, you're going to close up because you're afraid you're going to be, you know, you know, beat up on or something. Yeah. And so one thing we do when we start uh, conversations there's, there's different aspects of conversation. Now, of course, there's the goal of a meeting. There's the objectives of the meeting and what we want to solve at the end of it. But before you can even get to that point. And, and here's meeting, what happens. Many people, they don't take this first step, right? They go right to the objective when they don't sit down and like do this first step. And I think this is the powerful sort of big takeaway for me that we want to talk about. So at the start of a conversation, we want to define our expectations. So with that, that is tone. And tone really is the way you present information and the word choices that you use. So it's the style. Tone is the style for this conversation. Just like there is, if you're going to an event, there is an attire or a style, and it could be formal, could be business, could be casual, home casual, or even loungewear. And You've also got things like emails and emails also have a style and they could be professional. They could be casual, friendly, comfortable, or even intimate or, or written notes. They all have a style. And so when you go into a conversation, just being able to recognize what's the tone of this conversation, what is the style? How, how do I need to show up? Because the worst thing to do is show up in a comfortable or intimate style and come to find out 
it's a formal event. Well, like I had this happen to me just a couple of weeks ago, Lisa, there was a particular lady that I thought we were closer than what we really were. And we were in the office in a conference room and she walked by and I, she didn't see me. And I ran out of the room because I wanted to say hi. And I said, Hey, so-and-so. And she was like, what? I was like, Oh, you, we have more of a formal relationship. I thought we had a real informal relationship, mm-hmm. right? And almost my tone offended her. Yes. And so knowing when you have um, verbal interactions with people, just kind of knowing what is that, what is the tone or what is the tone for a conversation? And then we also have tempo. What's the tempo of a conversation? Well, a tempo is, that is the rate of speed of motion or activity. It's basically, it's the pace of the conversation. Well, aren't aren't they all fast paced? Aren't all uh, conversations? I mean, in my world, all conversations are fast paced. Yeah, that is true. That is my problem. And that is my problem when we're, that when we're talking is, that to people is your at times. Superpower, and that is your kryptonite. So, you know, and the, with that, the tempo you're asking, okay, what are the what's the expectations of this conversation? Is this uh, do we want to run through everything and then talk about it, or are we going to talk as we go? Is this what is the objective? What is the outcome of this conversation or meeting? And knowing, first of all, how I'm going to present myself and what the rate of it's going to be. So knowing what's the tone and what's the tempo. And a lot of times you can lose people. If you're going too fast, right? You can lose people. And but with that, if everyone in the conversation isn't aware, this is a very intimate, slow paced conversation. So if you have ever sat down with your spouse and wanted to have a nice evening at home, now this Dennis, this has never happened to you and I ever in our entire lives. Uh Oh, we sit down and we're going to have a conversation and I go into it thinking we're just going to have a nice, intimate evening at home and casual conversation. and you have an agenda, you have something that you want to talk about. And it's a goal. I got to get the answer to this. And so you come into the conversation more as a casual or business casual tone, and your tempo is rather quick. That's going to somewhat squash this slow, intimate, peaceful evening. Yeah. I just wore a three-piece suit to a pool party. Yes. Right. you, You were having a pool party. And I came in with my briefcase, my three-piece suit. Let's get down to work. Absolutely. And how well is that going to work? Hey, it's going to never work. You feel stupid and me feel stupid too, because we didn't realize the expectations. And these are super easy to, to figure out if you're going to have a conversation, whether it's going to be with a boss or with a spouse, with a family member. There's just a couple questions that we have used to know what does this need to look like? What does it need to look like as far as tempo goes? So a professional question for tempo would be, is this informative or collaborative? Okay. That's a good one, right? Are are we just, are we just informing people on what we've already decided or do we need help in problem solving? Right. And that's very good to kind of understand when you're in those situations. Exactly. Is this, is this an idea exchange or has the decision already been made and it's just informative? This is what's going on. Okay. And leaders listen, if you really need it to be informative, do not pretend and say it's collaborative because guess what? Team members read that, right? They go, oh, we're going to have a brainstorming and come to the end of the day. You've already made the decision and listen, just tell the truth. Okay. 
Just people, all progress starts when you tell the truth. And so our encouragement is, listen, if you already made the decision, just tell people because people know that. That's the thing. People walk, listen, I have been in those meetings, right, with clients and people walk out going, well, I already knew that or they already made a decision. So don't do that. Absolutely. And then the casual question for Tempo is, are you verbally processing or do you want feedback? It's essentially asking the same thing. Are you informing or do you want collaboration? Um, are you verbally processing or would you like feedback on this? And, I, and Lisa, this has been something we've really worked on because sometimes I just need to get it out and I don't need any feedback. I just need to say it because I'm not able to process it just in my brain. Because sometimes we've got so many thoughts running through our heads, so many feelings going through, and we just need a safe space to verbalize it, it, to be able to process it and then make a decision. And sometimes we need to come to someone and actually get help making a decision and an action. But a lot of times it's really verbally processing. And then the intimate question would be, do you want comfort or solutions? So let's just say Dennis and I are having a conversation. And I remember one time I told Dennis, that I needed to talk to him about something. Right. Right. And I I just had some things rolling around in my head and I needed to not keep them in my head. I needed to get them out, not because I needed answers, but because I, I needed a sounding board, not that I wanted feedback maybe until the end. And, but he cannot come to me in that situation and say, well, Lisa, here's what you do. Here's what you do. So is this informative or collaborative? You, right. you can't do that. It's it's these are these are key questions you can use. So in a professional environment, before you give feedback to someone, ask, is this informative or collaborative? Or if you're in a casual environment, ask, hey, are you verbally processing as in, do you want me to tell you the answer or or do you want feedback? And then an intimate set, set, setting. And um, one of our teammate team members had sent us this uh, thing she found on, I think, Instagram. And yeah. it was this clue of, hey, this is how we've stopped a lot of fights in our marriage is when one of us is having a bad day and we have we both agreed to ask, do you want comfort or solutions? Because nobody wants somebody else to fix their problems when they just... They just want comfort. Well, it's really a form of rescuing. And I think that's a lot of times where like you get angry and maybe resentful and you have all these emotions because somebody's tried to solve a problem that you didn't want solved. And really when you do that, you don't create safe places for people. And that's the goal, right? Let's bond people to us. Let's be collaborative, create these safe places where we get people's hearts. We're transformational, not transactional. We can look out and kind of read the room and read people. And that's the whole goal. Right. When we're communicating outwardly, we want to first step and do that. And Lisa, we're going to talk the next podcast about some super practical ways that we use and some tools that we have that we use with clients. And we're just going to kind of open up the toolbox next, the next podcast. So I'm mm -hmm. super excited about what's coming up next. Absolutely. So as you're going about this week, think about how you can be felt and not heard or mm. how you are being felt and not heard. How are people experiencing you? Um, what are the nonverbal cues that you're giving off? Are you, are you communicating that you're just using people uh -oh. or are you communicating that it's a transformational environment and, and just understanding that there is 
your personality. And there are certain ways that you will communicate, whether you are a fast paced communicator, or maybe you communicate because your culture is different. You're from a different country. We've lived in many different countries and each place um, has a different way to communicate. And all of that is the background, but we are responsible for, for the tone, the mood that, that we set and it's, it's the attitudes. Yeah. And you're responsible for your expectations. So as you're going out, realize every conversation is an experience, right? And experience shapes belief. You're responsible for the experiences that you give people. So every conversation, every interaction, every how you show up in email, just how you show up everywhere is an experience and it's shaping people's beliefs. And what we want you to do is we want you to go out and like get this belief, right? Because when people believe in you, they're going to do, gosh, they'll give you their hearts. Absolutely. And consistency builds trust. So learn how to be consistent, be self-aware, learn how to share that. Awesome. Lisa, this has been fun. Okay. We'll see you next time on the Drama Free Living Podcast.